The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio with Lee Whitting, whether you're listening on TalkZone, by podcast, through the archives of our ad-free shows on our YouTube channel, or connected through the incredible content of our Facebook page. Our guest today, John Carter, grew up in the city of Gary, Indiana, where his dad worked as a railroad engineer for U.S. Steel. John had six siblings and attended Holy Angels Catholic School, where he remembers Sister Rose whacking him on the knuckles when he misbehaved. (laughs) He says that Sister Rose had thorns. John says it was a real culture shock for him when his dad retired and the family moved to a five-acre farm complete with chickens, pigs, and even a horse to ride. He played football in public high and in the summer stacked hay bales. But economic times were tough when he graduated, and he opted to become a corrections officer, ultimately a sergeant, in Indiana's maximum security facility, where for 22 years he saw the faces of rapists, killers, gang members from Chicago, even Satanists who petitioned the state for the right to worship Satan. Five or six inmate fights would break out during most shifts, he's, he told me. And John is convinced that many of the prisoners were possessed. So it was a life-changing event for him when he died in 2020 and saw the loving face of Jer- Jesus instead. John Carter, welcome to NDE Radio. Thank you. It's a pleasure, sir. John, it was in July 2020 when you collapsed in your home and you weren't found for five days. Tell us, tell us what happened. Yes, uh, 2020 was a bad year for a lot of people, including myself. Um, I collapsed July 29th in my home and uh, wasn't found for five days. Uh, Finally, a welfare check um, after I had just luckily found my phone and pressed 911 and I couldn't say anything. Uh, They came and the police came and found me and went through my window of all things and, and got me and took me immediately, rushed me with the fire department to the uh, local emergency room. Wow. And at that point, your organs were beginning to shut down, weren't they? That's correct. I had sepsis poisoning uh, that was running through my body and it was attacking all my organs. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was in the uh, emergency room there that uh, I, I died twice. And, uh, since then, um, Lilia, a uh, good friend of yours and mine, has told me she is a, a near-death experience educator, and she uh, told me that I had actually had two near-death experiences, one where I died, and then my back was on the ceiling, and I was looking down on myself, and I was like, am I dead? Or, And then I was brought back into my body when he put the paddles on me and shocked me. And then all of a sudden I could feel everything back in my body, but then I died again. Mm. I guess my heart stopped again and I was back on the ceiling. (laughs) And it was at that point, um, I started down this, this really long, uh, I don't know if you had to gauge it, I would say it was about 20 by 20 foot tube with a very beautiful, bright light at the end of it. And my, my, life, all the experiences in my life 
were on the walls. Um, and I should point out that my, my soul was soul sick. I mean, by that, I mean, it was starving. It felt like, um, I was, my soul felt very warm and, and needing of thirst. Hmm. The same type of feeling when you're, you know, maybe outside on a 95 degree day and working hard and you need, you need refreshment. Yes. And, uh, my soul needed refreshment. And I, anyway, I'm traveling through this tube and I'm seeing different things and, and, uh, seeing beautiful things from my childhood, from the age three, where my dad bought me a, a little car for my birthday, which I confirmed later with my older sister. So I'd completely forgotten about that. And uh, other things as I traveled through this tunnel, you know, a birthday party when I was eight years old, marriage, uh, all the wonderful things, children being born, um, how happy I was in those moments. And finally, when I got to the, got to the area where I was about 61 years old, the, the veil got, the, the white light was much larger and a veil got pulled back and I felt like I was laying in mud. I could smell mud and I could smell the, what seemed like it, it was earth, earthy smell. And Someone had me in their left arm, and I didn't know who it was. And I looked to my right, and uh, it just shocked me beyond belief because it was Jesus Christ uh, had me, and he helped me to my feet. And as I looked in the sky, the sky was completely different. The color of the sky looked completely different than our sky here in this realm. The, the majesty and the grandeur was inexplainable in this realm. Mm. Um, the beauty of the hills and the flowers and, and the rolling hills and, and um, the unbelievable colors. The colors is what really stood out to me because I've never seen colors like that before. And I've tried, you know, I'm, a, I'm an amateur artist and I've tried to put those colors together by mixing colors here in this realm. And I, I, there's, I can't come up with those kind of colors. It's, they're totally different than what is in this realm. Hmm. Wow. So you were all, uh, lying in the mud basically. And yeah. Jesus was holding you, uh, had yeah. his arm under you. And then, yes. then there was something that sounded very much like a baptism took place. Yes. He, he, uh, as I'm lying there, he immediately, it was like he was coming to my aid. Uh-huh. He, he had a wooden spoon, big wooden spoon. It didn't have the type of cup that other spoons have. It, it was much larger cup on the end of the wooden spoon. And he had a wooden bucket there. And um, that both looked like they were maybe from 2000 plus years ago. But he dipped a spoon down in, in the bucket and poured water, which appeared to be water anyway. In heaven, I don't know what you call it, but it was, I imagine it was, you know, some type of thing that, that made me refreshed because it certainly did. He poured it down my throat. And when he did so the first time, he said, in the name of my father. And then he dipped it in the th- bucket again. And he said, and he put it to my lips and he said, and the son, he poured it down my throat. Now, bear in mind, I'm just being completely refreshed as this is happening. And then he poured it over my head. 
and he said, in the Holy Spirit. And my whole body just, the, the soul that I was up there with, I mean, it just, I, I could not, I can't explain the strength and the power that I felt all of a sudden. My heart grew 50 times its size. I've likened it to the, to the funny cartoon that kids watch on Christmas where the Grinch's heart grows 50 times. <laughs> Same thing. Yes. Um, I, I, uh, and I, he helped me to my feet and I got a chance to look him right in the eyes, Lee. And as I was looking at him right in the eyes, this was probably the most momentous part for me. I was overwhelmed by love and compassion when I, our eyes met and so much kindness. And it's hard to put into words because the love that I felt was so um, immense and so um, kind and loving. This man is a very special person. And I, did, I, you know, I felt all of a sudden I told Jesus, I said, Jesus, you sure I should be here? Because I didn't live a very good life. I kind of felt guilty. Mm. And uh, Jesus said, John, the last shall be first and the first shall be last. And I had no clue what he was talking about. <laughs> and uh, now since I've come back and he did tell me, he said, John, he said, I'm not happy with what's going on in the world right now. He said, there's way too much hate. He said, I'm sending you back. And I want you to teach people to love others as I love them. He said, please do that. And I said, okay. Uh, but in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, boy, that's a big job. <laughs> <laughs> well, just, but, just describe the setting you found yourself in. Well, it was amazing because I looked to my left and I see this gigantic angel with these gorgeous, beautiful white wings. And he's standing there and he's got a beautiful chest plate on and, and the leg things that protect your ankles and they're shining and he's got a sword on his side and he's got beautiful blonde hair and it's wavy. And I didn't know who it was. And I said, Jesus, who's that? He said, that's Michael, my archangel. He brought you here. And I was like, oh my God. And he smiled at me at that point. He mm. gave me a nice smile, which made me feel good inside in my sure. soul, you know? And then he walked me up and there was Lee, there was, boy, there was probably, I don't know, the hills were full of people, maybe 10,000 people. And it was all the people from relatives of mine that had passed on and made it to heaven. And um, there they all were, my dad, my mom, my aunts, uncles, cousins, um, everyone that had passed on. They were all there, and they all gave me hugs. My father uh, gave me a wonderful hug, and, you know, he, I said, how you doing, Dad? He said, or, he said, how are you doing, son? And he gave me a big hug. He said, I'm doing pretty good for an old fella. You know, that's what he used to say here on earth. <laughs> <laughs> and then my mom, she gave me a big hug, and she said, oh, Johnny. And she gave me this beautiful hug, and, and I could feel so much love with everybody. And there in her right arm was my my niece, she was, she was uh, eight or nine years old when she had a diabetic coma and died. And she was a little angel when she was here on earth in heaven. She just shined 
you know, really bright. And she said, hi, Uncle Johnny, gave me a big hug. There was all kinds of people up there from, you know, and as I waded into the crowd and Jesus basically told me, he said, uh, before I did that, he, he said, John, he said, I want you to know something. Before I introduce you to your family members, I'm sending you back. And I was like, okay. And he said, the reason I'm sending you back is I want I want you to teach others to love one another and to pray for their enemies and to love one another the same way I love them, like an innocent child loves unconditionally. That's what I want you to teach because there's too much hate in the world. And again, I want to emphasize I was overwhelmed. I, I felt guilty about being up there to begin with, you know, because I'm thinking in my mind, you know, I wasn't that good of a person when I was on earth. I mean, I was okay, but I mean, I, I sinned a lot and, uh, you know, but I realized then as I had the Holy spirit flowing through me that the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross is what covers all of mankind's sins. I mean, he died on the cross for all of us. Um, and every person that lives must realize that that blood he shed is, I mean, it, it wipes out all the sin. It's amazing. And when he gave me the Holy Spirit, I felt a light inside me that I'd never felt before. And since then, I've been able to pick up on different languages a lot easier, which I struggled with before, but I have no trouble now. Mm. And um, I also been able to convert a lot of people to Christianity, not through banging them over the head with a Bible, but by showing by example, the way to live your life and the way to be a good follower of Jesus Christ. And that is by love and kindness and mercy to and also all of that for one's enemies. Mm. And I give them hugs and I tell them I love them. And I'm a changed person. I'm completely changed. Now the family that you saw up there, I mean it it sounds vast. It must go back generations. It did. It it went all the way back to maybe well as I went into the crowd it was the 1800s and then the 1700s. And I'm meeting people that I didn't know who they were, but they knew me, oddly enough. And they came up to me and said, hi, John, would give me a hug. Uh, my great, great, great grandfather introduced himself to me and I didn't know who he was. Um, and he had a medal around his neck. And I said, what? That's a cool medal. What is that? And he said, that's a victory medal. He said, I won in the Civil War. He fought for the North, I guess. And uh, later on, I did some research and he fought at the Battle of Vicksburg and his name's down there. My sister, older sister, found his name down there in a uh, thing that the state of Illinois put um, down there uh, to to for the people that fought in that campaign. When you got back far enough, you would encounter people who spoke different languages because they would have yes. come out of Europe, yes. wherever. Yes, as you, I got deeper into the crowd and basically stepped outside of those that had come up, come across to this new land because my relatives went all the way back to the Revolutionary War. And then I started seeing people clothed in European clothes 
which looked really strange. They had like, um, I don't know, for lack of a better term, knickers on with socks and, and shoes that looked like Robin Hood <laughs> <laughs> or a film like Robin Hood. And they had uh, like, a, instead of a shirt, it was like a blouse almost mm. with big puffy arms. And uh, I had one guy that was pushing a cart and he had a lot of sausages in it. And I thought, what, you know, what's going on here? And he tried to hand me a sausage. He spoke in like a Hungarian or Czechoslovakian, maybe accent, mm-hmm. but I didn't understand a word he was saying. Um, then I saw deeper into the crowd, a guy that was, had vestments on, like he was a crusader. He had a bucket helmet on with a cross on it and a red tunic over his chain mail. And it had a red cross on it. It was white uh, blouse over the chain mail. And he had a big shield and sword. And I asked my older sister when I got back, I said, who do you think that was? She said, he probably fought in the Crusades. So that really took me back. And so now we're getting into, you know, um, people going and fighting in Jerusalem, apparently, some of my relatives, uh, when it was uh, under control of the Muslims. And of course, um, all of these people are in heaven. And I ran into a couple saints while I was up there, too. And this was initial. But when initially they were there, it was uh, St. Francis of Assisi and, uh, and St. Padre Pio. And when I met Padre Pio, it was unique because I didn't know who he was. Um, but St. Francis, I knew who he was. I could tell just by looking at him. I felt in my spirit that I knew who he was. And he was very kind, gave me a hug and said, how are you, John? He said, I want you to know that we're going to help you. You know, we're going to be with you on your journey. And Padre Pio basically said the same thing and gave me a hug and said, we're going to be right there with you. And their hands and their feet where they had the stigmata uh, glowed and mm-hmm. the and the same thing with Jesus, his hands and his feet and the side where he had taken a sword that all glowed beautifully. I mean, it was just a beautiful, ringing, bright, shiny glow. And um, as I'm going into the crowd and meeting family members, I, uh, I got a chance to meet you know, a lot of people, again, the deeper I went, I didn't know any of these people. Um, I maybe went back one generation and I started running into family members that I didn't know, have a clue who they were. Um, but they knew me oddly enough, and they would explain to me who they were, but there were so many of them that it's hard for me to recall all of the people because, you know, there were so many different names and so many different relatives. Um, this is a very this is a very personalized um uh NDE. I mean all ND all NDEs are personalized to some extent that they are designed it seems for the person themselves to learn. Right. But this assembly of family um is uh pretty impressive. <laughs> I mean it's it's vast and it well, and it must have been done for a reason. I, well, Jesus I just don't told know what me, it is. He said 
he said, John, in my father's house are many mansions, and I go to prepare a place for you. He pointed right at me. He said, you? And he said, and all your friends and family. And I thought, man, I'm going to heaven, you know. Mm. But then I thought, man, but I've got this big job to do. And uh, he said, you know, he told me, he said, I'm sending you back. He said, I'm sorry, but I got to send you back. And I was like, oh, boy, you know, that's a that's a big job. I felt overwhelmed. But at the same time, I felt eager, if you if you can understand that. Tell me more about the setting. I mean, you've got you said perhaps 10,000 people. Was it like a big field? It's a gigantic field. I mean, as far as the eye could see. And I want to emphasize that everyone up there was it was like everyone was hugging each other talking to each other, being kind to one another. There was so much love and mercy and kindness among everyone. There was no hate, no anger, nothing like that. It was a total bliss. And it's indescribable how I felt. I, I felt my spirit, my soul was just, you know, so taken aback. And I felt the glow with inside me, and now I know it's the light of Christ. I felt that glowing inside of me, and I felt so powerful, you know, this love. And, and the people were so kind that were up there, and they all knew that I was going back. They all knew. And so, you know, they said, you know, we'll be waiting for you, and we're going to help you. And that's what I mean about everybody in heaven. They're so understanding and loving and so kind, especially the saints and Jesus, you know, um, the, uh, just, just amazing. What I wanted know. to ask you, uh, there, uh, there were languages, um, that you couldn't understand. Right. And, and yet, uh, oftentimes it's described that it's almost like a universal, uh, language in heaven where people think to one another rather than speak to one another. But yeah, you're... well, I kind of knew what he was saying because the the guy with the sausages, I could smell them too. I want to point that out. They had a strong <laughs> smell, you know, like sausages here on earth. Yep. And he, they were, they were wrapped in this netting. I remember. And he tried to hand me one of them. And I said, I waved him off. I said, no, I can't, you know, have that. And I understood what he was trying to do. He was trying to be kind. Right. And since I got back, I asked my older sister, I said, why would I run into somebody like that? And she said, because in our past, which goes back to Europe, the last name Carter means a pushing a person that pushes a cart. Uh And I didn't know that. I had no clue. And apparently that was this guy. Um, you know, he's pushing the cart up there. And, and uh, I, oddly enough, I, I, uh, I ran into a lot of people that I didn't think I'd run into. I saw people like that were dressed like the Swiss guard at the Vatican. You know, they had those puffy pants mm-hmm. and those big helmets on that looked like, uh, oh, um, like a Spanish helmet almost. And they had a, like a sword or, or pole with them. And uh, they were up there. But 
um, and they just kind of surrounded everything. And then uh, there was, and I want to point out something too, and this is important because there was, besides the people I ran into, there were people up there that were not Catholic, that were from many other Christian religions. There were people up there, Lutheran, that I knew. Some of them were uh, Baptist. I ran into friends that had relatives up there, friends on earth that had relatives that were there. It wasn't just family. Um, one of them was a, uh, a husband who had passed on. And I, was, I had been friends with his wife here on earth for about 40 years. And he said, please tell Laura that when I, I'll be waiting for her when she crosses over. And uh, so I did. When I got back, I told her, and of course, she was taken aback. But I also told my older brother, whose daughter had the diabetic coma, I told him about that. And he cried because he knew that she was in heaven as well. He kind of knew in his spirit, I think. Um, but now I've taken the, my life and I, I, I fell asleep in the field. I should point that out. I got so tired up there. I started getting tired for some reason. How long, did down, it, how long did it feel like you'd been there? I had been, felt like I had been there maybe, I want to say, between six and seven hours mm. of just walking through this huge crowd and meeting people hugging them, them talking to me, me talking to them, being kind, shaking their hands, smiling, so much love, so much. It, I felt so carefree. This um, is, you know, this is like um, an enormous history lesson occupied by the people that actually created the history. And it's all, it's all connected with your family, your ancestors. It's a, uh, this is a, an amazing assemblage of, of, uh, I guess, based on genes, genetic history, um, in costume, in the, in the clothing of the time they lived, uh, doing the things that they, I think you told me one was wearing a welder's helmet. Yes. That was my, uh, that was my sister's husband. Hmm. Um, he had died from a, in 1989 from a chemical blast. He was worked in a chemical plant and he, there was a blast that happened inside the chemical plant. And while 17 of his coworkers were critically injured, he died. And uh, my sister ended up raising three children. Two of them have crossed over due to drug abuse and they were in his arms, oh. his two sons. Nice. And uh, they, the boys said, you know, uncle Joe or, or my nephew, Joey, and my nephew, Michael, they were both there. And they said, you know, hi, Uncle John. And then Bob, he said, man, I missed you. He was a really close friend of mine. And he said, man, I missed you. He gave me this big hug. And he had a welder's cap. It wasn't a helmet. It was a cap on. Uh, they, I guess they wore them kind of backwards. It was mm -hmm. like a welder's cap. And that's what he did on Earth. He was a professional welder. And a very good one as, as well. But it's it's not like we're uh, condemned to wear the clothes of our occupations for oh, no. all eternity. No. I think what it's saying no, I felt is in my spirit that it was, it was for you, can, for your benefit. I felt in my spirit that everyone up there um, 
can look the way they want to look. That's, that's something that heaven gives them the opportunity to do. You can look any way the, you want to look. My dad, he looked like he was in his maybe 50s. My mom, same thing, maybe in her 50s. They look like they did when they were that age. Um, Bob, the welder, he looked like he did exactly when he was here on earth, right before he got killed. Hmm. Same thing with Joe. My nephews, Joey and Bobby. Um, I had seen ants up there. Um, I saw my aunt Bobby and I hugged her and I said, do you remember when I was seven years old and you gave me a pop tart and it was the first time I ever had a pop tart. And she said, she laughed and she said, yeah, Oh my God. She said, I completely forgot about that. She said, she said, I can't believe you remember that. And I said, well, I said, aunt Bobby, it meant so much to me. And actually it was in the the thing when I was going through the tube, you know, I saw it on the wall. And so I mentioned it to her and she said, she said, that's when pop tarts first came out. So we're talking like 1967 here. So, mm. and, uh, I, I was just a seven year old kid visiting her down there in Missouri. And, and, uh, she gave me that for breakfast and I asked her for another one. <laughs> I liked it so much, <laughs> but I mean, the people up there were, so kind and so loving. And now I'm trying to, anyway, I, I, I fell asleep in this field after about six, seven hours of being up there. And then when I woke up, I was in intensive care and I was back on earth and I was intubated and I was very sick, but I could see my daughter and my son they had masks on and they were looking through the window at me because of the COVID was stiff. This was really bad COVID time. And uh, they were crying and I gave them a thumbs up and I could tell them both smiled underneath their masks when I gave them a thumbs up. But that's all I could do is just give them a thumbs up. I couldn't do much more. I was so weak. My body was so weak from the sepsis. But I, I started a long rehabilitation of healing. And, uh, you know, Satan got in the way. He did. He tried. He gave me COVID when I was in a rehabilitation facility and I got very, very sick, very sick. So I was sent to COVID ICU in Indianapolis and it was there that um, Jesus stepped in and told me to tell the doctor I needed remdesivir and, and I beat, I was able to not only beat sepsis, but I beat COVID as well. The, the first COVID, the real strong one that was killing people all around me. I mean, I felt terrible for these folks. They were dying left and right, so much so that the, the hospital in Indianapolis had to get, the nurse told me they had to get two refrigeration trucks just to hold all the dead bodies. That's wow. how bad it was. Wow. And you and, needed heart surgery on top of that, didn't you? Yes, they gave, well, yeah, I had heart surgery. Um, and they, they, uh, changed my aorta out because my aorta was leaking like a sieve, I guess. And the, what was nice was before I went in to do that echocardiogram, I kind of knew something was wrong and with my heart. And so I had everyone pray. I had the nurses, the cardiologist, everybody hold my hand. And we were all in a circle holding hands. And we said, be our father. And the cardiologist was fine with that. 
And the nurses were fine with that. And I felt the Holy Spirit in that room, so strong with everyone. And the cardiologist, I, then they put me to sleep and they did the echocardiogram. And when I woke up, I see my heart leaking and she showed it to me on this film. She said, I'm sending you down to Indianapolis. Dr. Hess and his team is going to work on you. So they, they sent me down there and they put a cow's heart, cow's aorta on my heart. So now I, I have a strange urge to graze in the front yard. <laughs> well, <laughs> that, that you, you're, you're your own lawnmower. In that right. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, uh, now I tell people to eat chicken. So uh, <laughs> I'm joking, but seriously, uh, it was an experience that uh, when I got out of heart surgery, you know, before the Holy Spirit was flowing through me really strong, but now it was really flowing strong because my heart was repaired mm. and it, all the blood was going to where it needed to in my body. And I felt like I, you know, I was begging, let me get out of this bed. Let me get well. And they sent me to a real nice rehabilitation facility in Indianapolis. And it took about four months of, of strong rehabilitation. But boy, did I go at it. I told him, I said, you know, let me let me get on these machines. Let me get my because all of my muscles had been atro. I think it's atrophied. Yes. Where they had been come weak. And so I had to get strong again to where I could walk. And so now once I got to where I could walk about 300 feet with a walker, then they said, OK, you're ready to go home. And I I came home. And since then, I've been trying to uh, change the world, so to speak, for the better utilizing what Jesus taught me, and that is that love conquers evil, mm. and that we all need to love one another. Who were the first people you told uh, your story about your NDE to? I told my oldest sister. Um, I told all my brothers and sisters, but I told my older sister because she, she, she's into, um, she believes in meditation, and, and she understands that when you cross on this side, there is something on the other side. And, you know, of course, I know it now. Um, before I was skeptical, you know, I, I was kind of an agnostic. I felt like, well, maybe there is, maybe there isn't. I had that balance there. Now there's none of that. Now I know what happens when you die. I, you know, I know exactly what happens. And I'm not scared to death anymore. Mm. Not at all, because I know where I'm going. And I'm so thankful. What did your children think of your story? I think they understood that that uh, I had a you know an NDE and uh, and and frankly I I told telling Lilia who is a educator with regard to NDEs very intelligent lady and uh, she spoke to me and and I told her I said you know I don't think it was a near death experience so much as it was a death experience because I did die twice. And so I technically had two death experiences. One where I jumped back in my body for a second or two because my heart started up and then my heart died again. And it must have been really weak. And then I was back on the ceiling and went through the NDE and, and uh, saw all of this stuff. And, and uh, I'm a changed man now. Um, I'm not that same person that I was before. Before I was very um, stern and 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 uh, I I was a introvert 
so to speak. I didn't speak to a lot of people. I kept to myself. I had a lot of strong training that if I would go in a restaurant, I would do the same thing in a restaurant that I would do. You know, if I was on a plane, um, I would keep an eye on everybody, make sure everybody was safe. Now I'm just carefree. I still do that. But now I, you know, I go up to people and I tell them, Jesus loves you and so do I. Is it okay if I give you a hug? And the, the receptions I received has been unbelievable. But then again, they're now and then where I'll run into somebody and say that, and they, they're demon-possessed, and I can spot. And I've helped those people um, by rebuking the demon that was in them and showing the light of Christ. And before you know it, they not only are free, but they give me a big hug, and they say they've never felt better in their life. Mm. And that's the example I want to set with everyone. Is to love one another. Now, you've said uh, when you were working in maximum security facility that yes. you felt a lot of a lot of those prisoners were demon possessed. Do you suppose now when you went when you first met Jesus, you said, I'm not worthy. You didn't feel worthy of his of being in heaven, really. Do right. you suppose they would have that same opportunity? Oh, so I what, think so. Yeah, but, I think every, that opportunity is welcome to everybody. But number one, you have to say to yourself, you know, I love Jesus Christ. And I, you know, you know, the good book is there for a reason. The Bible is there for a reason. It, it's, it's not only the holy word of God, but it's infallible in that everything you read in there is true. And it's amazing to me now, before I used to read it and I was skeptical. Now I'm not skeptical anymore. I get it. I understand it a lot better. And, you know, I encourage, if I was back in the prison, I would encourage inmates to do that. And I would, well, frankly, I don't think I could handle that job anymore because uh, I'm so loving that I want to give people hugs. And that would have been um, not allowed under code. <laughs> Yep. Indiana's Department of Corrections code: you don't hug inmates. That's a no-no. So, well, you know, they might have they might have taken it the wrong way and stabbed exactly. you or something like that. Exactly, yeah. we don't want that. No, um, but it's interesting. The notion of uh, possession means that uh, someone is being has lost their free will, and yes. and and uh, they're being you know. They're, the fact that they're being possessed means that they aren't totally responsible for their actions. It's that's more correct. It's more Satan than them that's doing it. So that's correct. I'll give you a very, I'll give you a prime example of that because I saw it. See, in my spirit, I can spot that now instantly. I can tell whether or not a person is demon possessed or not. And uh, a few weeks ago in Uvalde, Texas, that kid that went into that school. He, it wasn't just a demon that was in him. It was Satan himself. I want to explain that. It was Satan himself. I know the difference. That was Satan. And if somebody who had the light of Christ in them would have been there, Satan would have fleed. I know that sounds crazy, but it's true. And I can explain it this way. If I walk into a dark room and it's pitch black, okay, 
and I take a match and I strike it and I hold that match up in my right hand, what happens? All that darkness starts to flee into different corners of the room. And now everything is visible. The way is clear. And that's the way, that's the love and light of Christ. And that's the message that I want to get across to people, that they too can have this. They too can grip this. They too can they have this light of Christ within them. And to love one another, pray for your enemies. You know, don't don't be in wars like Ukraine. And, and you know, if I could talk to President Putin, I would explain to him the importance of loving your enemies and to go and love, give President Zelensky of Ukraine a hug instead of sending troops into Ukraine that are killing children. That's demonic. Those are demons that are doing that. And um, that's what happened, like I say, in Uvalde, Texas. Um, it wasn't the gun. It wasn't the, the 18-year-old kid. It was Satan within him that did that. Do you suppose you have to give Satan permission to, to enter you? Or is it something that you're just overwhelmed by? Oh, no. Um, you have to invite that type of entity within you. Um, when I saw now, I look back on the Satanists that I used to have to monitor when I was in maximum security. Um, now I look back on that and I think to myself, you know what? Um, that's where, because they were worshiping Lucifer, who is a, the fallen, one of the fallen archangels of, of God, that's where, and his, and his angels actually are demons. And that's where, and I know many of them, I know it's going to sound crazy, but I know many of them by name now, these demons. And I can call them out by name and I can rebuke them and I can tell them, get out of that person in the name of Christ, get out of that person. And I mean it. And they, you know, they, they're gone. They, they can't handle that. How, and how, how do you know their names? It just because comes it to comes you? to me. I can't explain it. It comes to me in my spirit. You know, I automatically know who I'm dealing with. It's like I can almost see in their eyes who this demon is. And frankly, it's not pretty, but frankly, who this demon is and why he's there and and how I can, you know, throw the light of Christ at him and he can flee. But if you're worshiping, um, idols and they had one in the prison towards satan if you're worshiping that kind of stuff you it's easy to be crossed over into that darkness and it's very difficult to get out of that darkness unless somebody that has the holy spirit flowing through them can do that now the apostles were given that opportunity the apostles of Jesus Christ, they too could cast out demons. And that's why the Catholic Church in the early stages was able to take off in many different areas. Um, you know, Alexandria, Athens, all over the place. You know, the book of, you know, Colossians, all of that. Those were all different churches, Philippians um, and and. 
those apostles could speak those, they were given the, the ability to speak different languages so that they could go out and spread not only the word of God, but the light of Christ. And that's why I tell people now when I convert them, I explain to them, I say, because many people don't believe in Jesus Christ, especially young people. It's the kind of the fashion nowadays not to believe in Jesus. And I asked them one question, and I don't know where I got this from because it's from the Holy Spirit. But I asked them, I said, how many poor carpenters do you think lived in Judea 2,000 years ago? And they kind of look at me strange most of the time and say, oh, I don't know, maybe three, 400. And I say, that's probably a good ballpark figure. I'd say, how is it that one poor carpenter, just one, can change the whole face of humanity? How did, how did that happen? How can that be? <laughs> there was very something very special about that man. And they can't answer that. Yeah. What uh, would the uh, possibility be of someone with your gift going back, visiting the old maximum security facility and taking demons out of those demonically possessed? Well, I'd certainly like to give it a go. But I'm not altogether sure whether or not the Indiana Department of Corrections would give me the opportunity to do that. Um, there's a what lot of uh, what a, a blessing of, that would be, though. Oh, it would. But unfortunately, there's a lot of liability there. I'll give you an example. For instance, when I worked in the prison, uh, there was a female preacher and she said she when she counsel inmates in maximum security, she said she did not want any officers present. Now, we told her this was not a very good idea because these men, in, they, had never, they haven't seen a woman in 10 years, many of them. Mm. And these gang members are animals. You know, they got demons in them. And uh, sure, sure enough, she had to sign a, a liability clause with the state to say she didn't want an officer present. Well, they attacked her, and I happened to be the first one on scene when they attacked her and they were trying to rape her. And I nailed one of the guys that was on top of her and the other guy jumped on my back. And, you know, one thing leads to another. And now it's Katie bar the door and lieutenants are spraying mace. And the the inmates are walked through tunnels in maximum security there. Mm. And uh, I got maced accidentally, you know, everybody. Well, they took her out on a gurney. She didn't get raped, fortunately, because I was quick on the draw on that one. But um, about six months later, she came to me and she gave me a big hug at roll call and she said, thank you. And that was really nice. Yes. Oh, that's nice. Wow. This experience of yours, um, you said you were haunted by the face of Jesus when you came back and you searched the internet for a picture of his likeness. Well, that's because tell us about that. Okay. Well, that's because, when I looked into his eyes, I mean, it just moved me so much, my spirit. It just, because at, po- at that point, I had just gotten the Holy Spirit, and I saw so much love and compassion and kindness, and I understood why his blood was shed for all of mankind. I got all of that, you know? It just, like, enveloped me. And so I had to find his face. I had to try and find his face, and if I couldn't do that, I was going to try and paint it. <laughs> and mm. so I kept digging and digging, researching here, there, everywhere, all of these paintings. 
by different artists, Van Gogh, frescoes, you name it, of Jesus Christ, Da Vinci, um, you know, the Sistine Chapel, all of these paintings. But then I finally found it. I finally found this, this, this face that matches the exact same face. It is Jesus Christ. I finally found it. And it's on my web page. Hmm. Oh, this would be a good time then to tell, uh, tell them uh, how to find your web page. Yes, it's www.john-carter.org. Again, that's www.john-carter.org. And I'm not, I want you to know, Lee, that um, I made a promise to, not only to myself, but to Jesus, that I was not going to profit from this sort of thing. There are many people out there that are doing that. They're going on shows. They're, they're profiting from it. I'm not going to do that. I don't want a dime from anyone. All I want to do is let them know how much I love them and how much Jesus loves them. Mm. That's, that's enough for me. That's great. Well, we, do, we run this show the same way. None of us get paid anything, and we don't sell advertising on our YouTube channel for that right. reason. There's nothing, nothing worse, I think, than somebody telling about a supremely spiritual uh, event in their life and then getting inter- interrupted by someone trying to sell you, you know, how to lose 50 pounds of belly fat, <laughs> you know, in the middle of. Well, of I a, might be able to use that, but I'm working on that well, part. Well, yes, but you don't need it in the, in the middle of. Uh, I mean, right. it, as a pastor, if I'd had somebody stand up in the middle of my uh, sermon and. and try to sell somebody toothpaste i'd have been some annoyed and that's basically what is happening on on youtube today right well i tell you lee i'm not gonna i'm not gonna beat people over the head to learn about jesus christ i'm not gonna say you need to open your bible you need to be saved you need this you need that you know if you accept jesus christ yourself and you let me hug you and hold your hand and pray with you and and you earnestly mean it, you too can have this gift. But you, you know, you you have to believe first. You know, you have to believe in something. I know you haven't seen him. You know, I know you did. You a lot of people think I'm crazy. I get that. I get all of that. But I'm telling you, and I'm telling everyone that's out there, this is real. You know, I know the difference between a delusion and something where I can have my all five senses. And this particular thing, I had all my five senses, you know, touch, hearing, smelling, all of that. You told me that uh, Jesus told you that he's coming back soon. Yes, he did. He, he said, uh, you know, the world's in trouble and I don't like it. He said, I'm sending you back to teach love and kindness to everyone. And he said, I'm not happy right now. He said, but I want you to know something. I'm coming back. But he, and I was tempted to ask him when, (laughs) but then I, I was convicted then all of a sudden in my, in my spirit. And I said, don't, you know, my spirits, the Holy spirit said, don't go there. Don't test God, you know, Mm -hmm. And it was a good thing I didn't, because when I got back, I read in the Bible, which I I never read before, 
that the, these particular verses, but it says not even the angels in heaven know when he's going to come back. And so, you know, who am I to beyond that? Who am I to even be in heaven? You know, I was like shocked and taken aback that I was even there. So, uh, but I'm very thankful that I went through this experience because it's not only changed my life, but it's changed many lives. And that's what I'm trying to do is change everyone for the better to where, you know, if I walk up to somebody and I don't know them, I can introduce myself and tell them, hi, my name's John and uh, I love Jesus. And I would like to introduce Jesus to you. Don't be taken aback. I'm not going to beat you over the head with a Bible or anything, but you know, I just want you to know that Jesus loves you. And so do I. And I said this to many nurses when I was healing and some of them that were taken aback and smiled. And in some of them, were very receptive to it and would give me a hug. And I had one old lady, she gave me a hug at a grocery store. I said, I just want you to know Jesus loves you. And so do I. I said, is it okay if I hug you? And she said, sure. I gave her a big hug. She said, that's the first time I've been hugged in 10 years. Oh my she gosh. Said, she said, I, that felt so good. Oh, of course. Wow. And, I, and that's what I mean about meeting people and spreading love and kindness towards one another. Yes, if we could all do that, we might uh, forestall Jesus' return. If he's well, only coming back because of the amount of hate in this world, well, then Satan controls we could change things. Satan controls the world, Lee. Because and, we let uh, him. Yes, and, but he, it's he, not going to, trust me, he's gonna, he's, when he comes back, he's going to cast Satan down. I'm sure of it. Yeah. I feel it in my spirit. He's going to cast him down and peace will reign on earth and love will reign on earth. But until then, um, and this may never happen in my lifetime. I may be way out of the picture by then because I'm not a young lad anymore. But uh, I, you know, this happened to me. And and so now I'm trying to spread the good word of Jesus Christ and and uh, learn, help others learn um about his kindness and his love for humanity and that they too can have that. He's given you uh, a huge job, but a very uh, worthwhile one, the most worthwhile one. Yeah, I'm trying. Uh, There's a couple verses that stood out to me when I came back. One of them was John 15, 17. And uh, if folks want to look that up, they can read it in their Bible and understand uh, what that kind of love is. Um, and of course, Jesus said, um, you know, what you, on the, when he spoke to the big crowds, four or 5,000 people, he said, he said, love your enemies and pray for those that, that hate you for my sake. Yes. He said, pray for them because there, he knew, he knew that it was darkness within those people. He knew that and the darkness of Satan, he knew it well in advance. And so he spoke, you know, as if he was speaking towards the future too, not just at that present time, you know, that there were going to be people like, for instance, in communist China that persecute Christians and that shoot Christians. And those people are all martyred for Christ. Mm. Every one of them, those that, for instance, in Ukraine that believe in Jesus Christ and are, are killed little children that are killed, like in Uvalde, Texas, those children go straight to heaven 
straight to heaven. The fact that Jesus and God both describe themselves in the Bible as I am means in Hebrew, I am is not just the present, it's the future and the past. That's right. Into one. It's, it's eternity. So right. that, that death on the cross is eternal, and, uh, and the teachings of, of Jesus are eternal. Yep. John, uh, thank you. Uh, we are out of time, but thank you so much for sharing your experiences with us and how they change. You're more than welcome. And I want and, everybody out there, before I go, to, I just want to let you know, Jesus loves you. You know, when you look in the mirror in the morning and you see that person in the mirror, understand that Jesus loves you and that he can be within you. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I love you. Please let me be part of your ministry in life. And he will, and the Holy Spirit uh, will descend upon you and you too can have the freedom and the love for others that I have. And I want you to have that. I want everyone to have that. Because what a world it would be if we all loved one another. Oh, it would be heaven on earth. (laughs) There you go. If listeners uh, have any questions or if they wanted to get in touch, tell them your website address again. It's www.john-carter.org. And uh, I'll be glad to uh, reach out to anyone. I, re- in fact, I've because I've done other podcasts. I've reached out to thousands already. But I would be I would be happy to reach out to folks and help them in any way I can. And uh, <laughs> as a final note, explain uh, explain your email address that appears on your website. Oh, <laughs> it's uh, John Carter of Mars. This, e- this email address was made well before my NDE, but it's John Carter of Mars 78 at gmail.com. And, and the reason it's John Carter of Mars is because, uh, well, Disney made a movie about it. They gave me a free ticket because I had the same name. But uh, it, it, it's the old Edgar Rice Burroughs series. Um, John Carter, he was like a hero that went to Mars and, you know, did all of these things on the planet Mars. and and uh, so it was like a cartoon series, and uh, and they they even made a movie about it. Didn't do too well apparently in the United States, <laughs> which uh, is fine. But you know, thought I'd pass that on. I love that you incorporated it into your email address. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, you know, you have to come up with an email address that's unique. I figured that was good enough. It certainly is. <laughs> uh, listeners can also leave comments for you where this show appears on our YouTube channel at NDE Radio with Lee Whitting on YouTube. Sure. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks again. If listeners would like to hear this show again or any of our more than 450 archived ad-free NDE interviews, go to TalkZone's NDE Radio site and hit the Past Shows button or go to our YouTube channel, NDE Radio with Lee Whitting, where you can subscribe to and comment on the complete NDE Radio library. And be sure to check out our NDE Radio Facebook page. Just search NDE Radio with Lee Whitting on your Facebook app. And listen again next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern at Talk Zone for more NDE Radio. I'm your host, Lee Whitting, saying thanks for listening.